This is Spartan Chat, a podcast from Sycamore Community School District 427, where we connect with you to tell the stories of our community. Okay, so this is second podcast. Really excited to have Jill Anderson and Justin Dean from our, our middle school to talk about professional learning communities. Um, as the summer progresses, we'll talk more and more about professional learning communities uh, with the community, but also internally. Um, we've had professional learning communities um, in place in the district for a while, but I think we're kind of at a place where um, reinventing them, looking at how they function and operate, and, and just trying to prime the pump a little bit, so to speak, uh, is one of our goals for next year. So thought it would be really valuable to have Jill and, and Justin join me and I'll, I'll let them introduce themselves and then we'll kind of launch into conversation about uh, professional learning communities. So, Jill, you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, my name is Jill Anderson. I work in the Allied Arts Department at Sycamore Middle School with journalism and TV production. And uh, my experience from PLC started from the district I worked in prior to SMS. And then um, it was really easy for me to get involved when the opportunity came here in Sycamore um, and be part of the coalition at the middle school. Yeah, and I'm Justin Haynes. Uh, just finished up my 11th year of teaching. Um, I work with Jill, actually, coaching cross-country at the middle school team. She and I and Ben Doty do that. I also teach science at the middle school. Um, in the past, I've taught language arts, literature as well. And, gosh, PLC. I think it first came on my radar when I entered the district. That was kind of the year the district kind of rolled it out. And, um, you know, we've kind of been doing it for uh, a decade now, but we discovered like two-ish years ago at a training that there was just so much more that we could really be diving in and getting to know about PLC. And so um, I guess perhaps that's why we're here today. That's what we're here to talk about, right? That is a great start right there. (laughs) So um, for parents or community members or people outside the world of education, um, who approach you and say, okay, this, this PLC thing that the district is talking about, what is it, what do they do, how would you explain it to kind of a, a lay person? Um, well, first of all, I my husband always talks about how many acronyms and letters we have <laughs> in education. So PLC stands for Professional Learning Community. I want to make that clear. Um, if you were explaining it to someone in the community, there's... What I know of it, five main components or five main elements that you kind of um, put into this. It's a process, uh, so it's not something that you're going to walk in and visibly be able to see or identify in the sense of it's a meeting or it's something, but you will, it's, you'll see it. Um, when you're doing yeah. it, you know it. It's kind of, yeah, like in adoption of a, a mindset. Right, like, and if I were to think of like core values that you would plug right around the PLC bubble, it'd be culture, collaboration, uh, communication, um, the three C's, I guess. But um, I don't know. The way I think of it is kind of like the science of our profession, right? It's like let's try to find a way uh, where we can live what we do rather than just talking about what we do in education. Um, it's not about adding more to our plate, but figuring a way we can work together to make things easier on our staff and our students and ultimately meet the goal of hopefully the learning outcomes for students is stronger. Like we get 
you know, the intangibles, people are happier to be here because we got a culture that is all about learning and creating excitement around learning, but also kind of a data-driven culture where you're like reacting to what's going well, what's not going well um, in your classroom, across the district, in your building, whatever. It's, it's this, this idea where you're going to say, okay, we're going to be monitoring things all the time and trying to make PLC as good as it can be in a school and district. I think if you boil it down to the two things too, right, it's focus on student achievement and goals for our students and then also making us better teachers and um, having reflective conversations and using data to kind of drive that and evaluate that, reflect on that, and then put things into place so that we're better and our students are better. I think one of the things, you know, just when you uh, talked at the recent board meeting about PLCs and how they've kind of evolved at the middle school, um, and one of the things you talked about, and, and Julie did on this, it's not something that you would walk in and see. You know, it, it's not necessarily a strategy or a program. It's just kind of a change in mindset, right? It's a, it's a change in how you approach things, and it's a process um, more than just a, a program. And, and that question kind of came up at the board meeting, you know, what and, and I think it was important to distinguish between um, you know, what PLCs are as, as a noun, really. They're not really a noun, they're really a verb. It's something that you do, right? It's a process. So um, I think you guys hit on, on some really important Yeah. I, I mean, I think through no fault of anyone, just, you know, like the last 10 years, we all know what PLC stands for in this district, professional learning community, but like, one of the things that was a light bulb for us when we went to the training two years ago was like this idea that PLC is not a meeting. And currently, if I were to evaluate how at least we do it at the middle school, that's kind of how it's viewed. You box it into this 40-minute meeting, and that's when we talk about kids and we share ideas and we look at data. And certainly those things should be happening in that meeting, but like there's not really this, this feeling. Maybe we're moving in that direction, but at this point in time, there's not that feeling that the PLC is the whole organization. It's a lifestyle. It is it is this collective agreement. That this is how Sycamore Middle School, Sycamore School District chooses to do things. Am I right? Um, yeah. It's funny that you bring that up. As recently as last week, I was having a conversation with a colleague who uh, out loud said, you know what? I really don't like PLC. Mm-hmm. And I asked why if uh, she would share her feelings with me and it was boiled down to it's a meeting where you sit and all we do is discuss the same things about um, Mm -hmm. standards over and over. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we ended up talking for about two hours because I think that's the case, right? People Mm -hmm. think it's the meeting, it's the time that we've set aside to meet or it's the uh, intervention time and that's all it is, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, So just educating. I think part of what you said as well, Justin, about it being around for so long and us having bits and pieces in it, that's what's sticking out to people right now. Um, so it's making sure that we kind of reintroduce you know, those major parts and some other parts so that they know that uh, the meetings are for reflection, right? They're for um, discussions. Mm-hmm. They're for collaboration. They are not, you know the process and what we're, we need to do. And to me, it's also like, it's also about 
building relationships with your colleagues that I think are so important. It's important for a teacher to feel valued in their work workplace and feel validated by their colleagues and be able to be a support system for other colleagues too. You know, we've all been a first year teacher at some point in time and we know what it's how beneficial it is to have other teachers mentor you and look out for you and be able to give you ideas that work in their classroom because you just you don't know. And whether you're a first-year teacher, 10-year, 30-year, on the verge of retirement, there are still things that you don't know. And there's no greater gift than to have colleagues who are willing to work with you and be vulnerable maybe or accept your ideas or pass theirs on in a way that is to that builds relationships too. Maybe you can't measure that, but that's a that's a culture thing that I really, really value. Yeah, you know, when I got into education, um, I, I can vividly remember sitting in my undergrad classes mm-hmm. and listening to the instructor talk and, and, and remind us, you know, that on day one, when you go into your classroom, there will be this, this uh, desire to shut the door and do your thing in your classroom. Yeah. And if you do that, you become part of this isolation, not only within your school, but you isolate yourself from, from other teachers. Now, I was really fortunate to work in a middle school in a different district where there was this great atmosphere and people drew you out. So whether it was at lunch, at social events, whatever, there, there was this sense of community and culture, which is something I always felt like I, you know, I was really lucky to fall into. Um, but as I've grown in my career, especially as an administrator, and thought a lot about professional development over the years, some of the best learning that I think we do as educators is from each other. So I think that's a big part uh, of what PLCs can offer to, to our staff. And this is probably a good point. I'm glad you bring that up because it's a, it's a balance. Like there are some teachers who, you know, I don't blame them for thinking, wait, if I'm going to have to collaborate, I have to do it the other person's way all the time. Like, no, like... It's a really good balance of being able to do it how you do it because there are so many different personalities in teaching and you should teach to your strengths, absolutely, that shows your passions, that shows what you're good at, that shows what you like to do because I believe your students are going to learn from you most when you're feeling the most engaged in the teaching process too and that's going to look different. But there are also like common things that work across the board. There are discussions that you can have that you can... Um, where am I going with this? I guess my point is just the it's not taking away autonomy it's kind of fostering that more by providing ideas from colleagues and through the conversations you have um you want to jump in with this before i talk for too long because i know i can do that well no i agreed and it's where you learn not only what you're great at but what your colleagues are great at as well so when you're struggling when something isn't working when you're looking at that data or you're looking at a uh, classroom full of blank faces or frustrated kids, you know, you know what? I know that Justin is really good at, you know, drawing this out or doing this. I'm going to go talk to him and figure out what it. I can Some do. things that I'm good at. So thanks for not <laughs> that's going to not, That's not true at all. Uh, I've had a chance to be in Justin's classroom. That, that's not true at all. And I think one of the other things, um, again, as an administrator, now I have the opportunity to go visit classes kind of whenever I, you know, I, I want when I have time. And one of the things I'm always impressed by are the awesome things the teachers are doing in their classroom. And yet when I talk to them about those sorts of strategies, I really like the questions that you asked, or I really like this lab in your science class. 
you know, teachers are so humble that they just think, oh, well, this is this isn't special. This you know, this mm-hmm. is something that anybody can do. And in reality, I think when you have those conversations with your colleagues, what you find out is that wow, that, that is something different. I did put a different spin on that, and I do have something to offer my colleagues during these conversations too. So. Um, again, I think the best thing you can give educators is to have opportunities to talk with other educators. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to kind of circle back and just talk about the history of PLCs, um, either in our district or really at the middle school, because that's where the experience that you guys bring. But then also, you know, we talk about this kind of reinventing the process. Where do you see it going, or where would you like to see it go, maybe at the middle school? So I'll, I'll ask Justin to start first. Gosh, well, history. Um, without belaboring it too much, I think I mentioned already, the first year I remember sitting in the auditorium at um, the high school. I can't remember the speaker. I think they were from Deerfield or Stevenson, one of the, the schools that had already been doing PLC for a while. And they came in, and it was an exciting presentation. We were all kind of like, all right, let's go. A lot of us were like, let's do this. And we quickly at the middle school had a meeting time that started with once a week. Um, some now it's twice a week where we're just like, okay, 40 minutes, go talk about, go talk. And it was kind of awkward at first because I think people didn't really know how to utilize it. And they, you heard words like common assessment and pacing guides and essential standards. But like, I think all different groups were in all different places and kind of wandering and not really sure where to go. And then in 2019, um, there was a solution tree workshop where a bunch of teachers went to and I was at the middle school live streamed and uh, we just saw speakers, speaker after speaker talk about PLC and that was kind of like a whoa moment for a lot of us in middle school like oh we kind of like we get it now we get what this, we're not doing it correctly in a lot of our minds so like we're doing things that are that are in the right direction but we're still what we probably would consider like an emerging school like we have a long way to go and this is kind of where I'd like to get Jill's perspective because you came from Aurora and you kind of saw how they rolled out PLC. So you can either, I only have our district's experience, you can kind of contrast outlook there to here a little bit. Well, I'll stick to Sycamore in the moment in 2019, right? After sure. we'd sat through that institute, mm-hmm. there were a group of us that I think just saw like, not even district, this is what our school needs. This is, we're in a place right now, like, this is what needs to happen. And we sat for an hour, maybe after the training. Um, and there were six or seven of us that just were really inspired and motivated and just had this conversation, um, as teachers that this is what we need to make sure is happening or get started here at the middle school. Um, and that's how the coalition came, uh, was from that. And that next year, I mean, Matt Moore really kind of spearheaded mm-hmm. a lot of that that first year. Matt um, and Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we Kevin didn't. and yourself. But I mean, he really took the lead in getting that ball rolling to make sure that it was going to be mm-hmm. in place. And then from there, we, we have just kind of grown. So from, sure. from my standpoint, that's really where it was born at the middle school in this district, besides the meeting time that we had. Yeah. We have, I don't know why I didn't mention the PLC coalition. It was this voluntary group of teachers that just like felt so struck by what we heard at the training and realizing what, what we could do with PLC and what, use the words jokes, like what we needed, that we chose to form this coalition. We, we 
called it, in which we were going to start to evaluate the current state of PLC at the middle school. And um, it started right away. We're like, we need a mission statement. Yeah, we got the district mission statement, but we need something that we can identify with at the middle school because the philosophies there are different. It should go underneath the, the big mission statement, but we need something that... And we so we started surveying staff on that. We realized like, well, we're all over the place. We can't do this right now. We asked Jill and I. We did a presentation not long before COVID hit that year, and which we like got staff up moving, writing down culture values that they wanted to, if they that they wanted to be more intentional about in the workplace. So everything from collaboration to positivity to growth to accountability, like. These were the words that staff wrote down and were saying, like, we need to work on these values in our culture. This is what I want Sycamore Middle School to be. And that was kind of like where we're like, okay, this is culture first. Like, we can't grow a plant in toxic soil. I'm not saying that the middle school is a toxic place to work. I love working there. But, like, if the soil is not cultivated for PLC to truly grow and be what it could be, like it's not going to work. People aren't going to understand where this is coming from. They're going to think it's just another thing that we have to do. Those of us have, have been around a long time. Oh, I did this, you know, 15 years ago. Why am I doing it again? Um, but yeah, so that's, I guess, where we've really spent a lot of time is focusing on culture, coming out with a newsletter that kind of celebrates what staff is doing, trying to create a building-wide PLC where we can showcase, hey, here's what the music department is doing during the pandemic to connect with kids. Could you imagine teaching music when everybody's on Google Meet? Well, here's what they're doing and interviewing them. Here's what Adam Lang and Jessica Tate are doing to try to expand the way they're connecting with students during that time. There's a time where everything was kind of fragmented because we were all trying to just like keep our heads above water and connect with kids. Um, but that's where we really took a turn and focused on culture, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of those elements is norms and shared identity. And that's what we realized we needed. We didn't feel like we had a shared identity mm -hmm. um, as a whole. So that's where it began. Um, just you kind of touched on this past year during COVID and things were just out of whack. What was the value of PLCs? And you touched on a little bit, but I'll ask both of you maybe expand on just a little bit. How valuable were, were the PLCs? What was the coalition during the last school year when I think a lot of teachers felt like, no matter how long you've been teaching, I know I felt like the first year administrator all over again. I, I think there were a lot of teachers, regardless of years of experience, felt like first year teachers all over again. Um, what value did the PLC add or what help did the PLC provide um, well, can I jump in? Yeah, please do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, after everybody got their bearings with what this year was going to be, probably around Christmas mm -hmm. is when we started talking and chirping again and kind of trying to figure that out. What will be our role this year? We haven't been heard. You know, we should, should we should kind of reestablish our presence. Um, and I will say, I think it was the newsletter. Like that this year was exactly what we needed, um, a perfect way that wasn't adding more, but still sharing mm -hmm. and um, giving that information to our staff uh, in a way that was different, right? We weren't at the staff meetings presenting each week. We had that ball rolling and it was going really well. So we had to continue to do that. And Justin, I really think the newsletters are what our mark was this year. 
Yeah. Gosh, I mean, there was it was it kind of was cliche at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody said we're all in this together, but like we were like everybody felt a similar feeling at the beginning of this year. I remember those three or four or five, I can't remember. There was a, like a week of institute training before the year started. It felt like we were all cramming before an exam. <laughs> like, you know, it's stressful and we kind of don't know what's going to happen, but there's a certain like camaraderie that like was occurring in that moment. At least that's how I felt. Like, I like, in a weird way, it, it, I was able to sense colleagues having my back this year with PLC. I don't know. When when I went to the conference years ago, I remember them using a distinct analogy in which they compare, sorry if I'm digressing here, but Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, and they, they put the, their, their championships up on the board and they say, why do you think Tiger was able to win a championship so much earlier than Jordan? Like, arguably, these are both the two best players to play a sport of all time. But what was different about Jordan? Well, you don't have to think more deeply than Jordan was playing a team sport. It wasn't until the, there was truly um, some good leadership and a great team built around him in which, you know, that, that really took off. He was clearly one of the greatest players right away. But to obtain that ultimate goal, he could be as great as he individually wanted to be. It still didn't get the organization to where they needed to be until they truly had a team built around that. And like... I don't know, like a very simple level, like that's PLC to me, right? If you have a strong team, if you have colleagues that you can rely on um, and who support you and share ideas during a really difficult time, you know, regardless of what's being said, you know, in the media or out there or on social media or whatever, it's like, these are the people that I'm kind of going to war with and we're getting through this together and we're going to like... This is who I'm doing it for. My students, of course, but the colleagues I work with. And I don't know. I don't think that's a grandiose thing to kind of, or connection to kind of make. But to me, that's kind of how this year felt. If we can figure out a way to keep people connected and talking, only some good can come out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think the teamology is a really good one. I always value teamwork, and, and you can only go so far as an individual. Um, just go back to your Michael Jordan example and, and the Bulls, that, that those teams are so great. The makeup of those teams changed over the years, mm-hmm. right? Over those six championships. Um, but every year, there were people that were playing specific roles. You know, Jordan was a scorer, he was a great defender, he had all this, this talent. But all those other players played different roles. And, and I had, I was really lucky to be able to sit in on a PLC meeting, you know, this spring, in late winter, early spring. And uh, just to sit and listen to the, the group in the room and, and hear the conversation and the discussion and what was going on, and you could tell the same thing was happening. Everybody kind of had different goals. Um, everybody had a place, had a niche where they fit in and were part of a collective team that was working together. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt then during that meeting, as well as during the board meeting the other night, as, as well as just kind of sitting here with you guys, I mean, you kind of feel that energy. Um, and what's going on in that shift in culture, that belief in what you're doing, um, and the desire for that to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So that kind of leads to my next question, which is, where would you like to see PLCs go in the future, whether it's next year, three years, five years down the line? Where do you see the, the future of, of PLCs? How do you see it changing, staying the same? 
You're listening me. to me. <laughs> I feel like I should stop talking for a while. Really? You go, yeah, you You've done so. really well. Yeah. Have I? Well, yeah. I, well, thank you. Yeah, don't thank be you. so self-conscious. You'd be, you'd be honest and holding me accountable for us talking. <laughs> you know much, I would. Right? <laughs> well, I think one, Steve, that you hit on was um, the knowing your roles. And it's something that we talked a lot about at the end of the school year is defining those in our building um, with other groups and committees, right? Uh, PLC can't do this by itself. The coalition can't just be the one. Um, we want to connect some of those other committees into some of the elements and things that need to happen with data collection, um, with um, SEL and the social emotional parts, uh, with our culture and kind of build those together. So identifying roles is a big one. And then another one that I've been very vocal about is action. Mm -hmm. um, not just talking about uh, part of the, you know, 10 year span, that's a really long time. And um, I'm always the one coming from the other district, you know, it was <laughs> up and running within three years. Like mm -hmm. we need action mm -hmm. and things to start happening and not just talking and discussing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't I want to be careful. I don't just answer this for myself, but if I could speak for a lot of the coalition conversations that we've had. You know, we met every Friday this year, and those weren't meetings that we felt exhausted by. We felt like energy from them, but it was a lot of talking. Like, we're ready for action. Like Jill said, like, um, you know, you think of the, the essential questions from PLC, like, what is it we want our students to learn? Um, how are we going to know if they know it? What are we going to do when they don't? How are we going to extend it when they got it? And like um, that two things we've talked about a lot is like identifying our essential standards is something that like it just has to, we got to get that done. Like uh, just to get people on the same page and knowing what the roles are of department departments and what students are truly learning across the board at the middle school. Um, and one of the things I think that this year forced us to do is cut down. And we realized by looking at our map data, like, wow, look how much we cut out and our students still grew and learn. It kind of made us realize, well, maybe depth of learning is more important than trying to cover everything. It's okay to give yourself permission to cut stuff out. So I think departments really have to be intentional about identifying what those essential, essential things are across the board. Some are there, some aren't. Um, then the other thing that we've circled around for years at the middle school is... How do we do intervention? Um, and that's been a tough talk, topic to talk about because people have different opinions on, you know, how that should be set up. Should it be a period within the day? Uh, is it something that you hire positions for? How does this look? What does this look like in my own classroom? But it's just we need action from that standpoint because having uh, students slip when they're not understanding your essential standards, uh, that to me is unacceptable. And we got we got to... It can't be any one person just saying we're going to do this. Like it has to be a, a building-wide, even district-wide commitment to really get something solidified that's a plan towards intervention. Mm -hmm. So, from the district level, that's something that we're pretty consistently. Not that we're not doing that, um, but that there's room for improvement. Mm -hmm. you know, we are yeah. supporting students. We are we are providing interventions, but um, we could take this kind of to the next level. Yes. And, and maybe some of that is is just getting a handle on what the structure of providing interventions throughout the district, but then also where we've got room to grow. And then and how do we need to tweak things and change things a little bit to provide the students that, that they need to be successful. So um, that's really kind of come out of, I would say, this this second semester of this, this previous school year. 
just through those conversations with teachers, with administrators, with the board members, and um, so that will definitely be a topic of, of conversation and hopefully a topic of action uh, to use your words uh, for next year. And I think one of the last things I'll, I'll kind of add and, and then ask you guys if you have anything else to add. Um, you know, again, during the board meeting, there was, there was a question. I can't remember what the question was, but kind of kind of led me to just share with the board, with the, you know, the crowd that was there, uh, the group that was there. You know, PLCs, like many other things, there's never going to be a point in which, okay, we're done. We cross that off the list. PLC's done all the work that it needs to do. We can move on to something else. You know, it really is something that's going to be ongoing. You know, we may not know what it needs to look like in five years, but I, I have a belief that it still needs to exist in five years because there will be another challenge. There will be other work to do. And as long as there's that collaboration piece in place, PLCs will be, you know, kind of one strategy and process to, to address those. So, yeah. um, we've covered a ton of ground. I, I appreciate your guys' time. Um, before we kind of wrap up, is there anything about PLCs that we've not touched on? Uh, that you want to share either with the, the staff within the district or the community that might, might hear this podcast? Um, I, I would just emphasize what you just kind of spoke, a word that I remember writing down and I said I think at the board meeting last week was, for us at the middle school, it's been kind of a cognitive dissonance journey. Like, you know, when you are confronted with new information that reveals some systems that are going well within your organization, but some that aren't. What are you going to do about it? You have to react to the science of our profession. And when we realize that there are gaps or there's room for improvement or things that we could improve upon as an organization, like the question turns to us as the educators, the, the administrators, everybody that's a part of this PLC in this district. What are we going to do about it? Do we choose to throw up our blinders and just say, like, no, the way we did it for the last five years or ten years or whatever, like, that's worked. That's okay with me. Or are we going to choose to adopt a mindset like we are always going to be analyzing this machine and looking for ways to improve it so that it can keep chugging down the road in a positive direction rather than getting derailed? Because when you choose to not, it doesn't it, – you just stop. You stop dead in your tracks and you become okay with not making progress. Well, the world's going to keep going, and our students are going to have to go into that world. And I want to make sure that, like, I want to work in a district that has the mindset, like, want to do the next groundbreaking thing. We want to make sure that we are in position to best meet the needs of our learners in 2021, and then the year after that in 2022. Always be evolving to make sure that we are operating on the highest level that we can be and realizing like it's okay to admit when we're not doing something well what's not okay is to just try to like let the elephant in the room con continue to live there rather than bringing it to light and doing something about it yeah. well said yep <laughs> ditto <laughs> okay <laughs> Well, listen, I appreciate your guys' time. You know, we talked a lot about PLCs, and one of the things that we'll talk about with the share with the community is that, you know, these late starts that we're going to start on Thursday mornings, that's what we're going to be doing during that time. And yes, that is meeting time. And we talked about earlier, we don't just want it to be a meeting. We want it to be the you know, time where there's conversation, collaboration, there are action plans, there's action being done. Um, 
you know, so this late start is going to be something new for, for the district, for our community. We realize that there's going to be challenges for families, but um, hopefully this has just been a little taste uh, on why uh, that time is going to be so valuable. Jill and Justin, I really appreciate your time. Uh, hope you have a, a great rest of the summer, and uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Spartan Chat. Connect with us by emailing your comments, questions, and suggestions to communications at syc427.org. 